I'm just down from the bird refuge at the marina. I decided to come out for a walk and read my saison. Letters on Cezanne by Rainier Maria Rilke. And I'm not going to read the foreword. I'm just going to read a couple of pages. Out in nature today. The bees are buzzing in the this wind on here or not. There's people out feeding the ducks. Hotel de Quaia Voltaire, Monday, June 3rd, 1907. Seeing and working how different they are here. Everywhere else you see and think later. Here they're almost one and the same. You're back again. That's not strange, not remarkable, not striking. It's not even a celebration. For a celebration would already be an interruption. But this here takes you and goes further with you and goes with you to everything and right through everything, through small things and great. Everything that was, re everything that was rearranges itself, lines up in formation as if someone were standing there giving orders. And whatever is present is utterly and urgently present as if prostrate on its knees and praying for you. That was page three. It has a footnote about when it says you're back again, meaning four days earlier, Rilke had returned to Paris after a 10-month absence. The next letter, page four, Paris 6, Erodissimo, 29 Rue Cassette, Monday, June 24th, 1907. This morning, your long letter with all your thoughts. After all, works of art are always the result of one's having been in danger, of having gone through an experience all the way to the end, to where no one can go any further. The further one goes, the more private, the more personal, the more singular an experience becomes. And the thing one is making is finally the necessary, irrepressible, and as nearly as possible definitive utterance of the singularity. Therein lies the enormous aid the work of art brings to the life of the one who must make it. That it is his epitome, the knot in the rosary at which his life says a prayer, the ever-returning proof to himself of his unity and genuineness which presents itself only to him while appearing anonymous to the outside, nameless as mere necessity, as reality, as existence.
So surely we have no choice but to test and try ourselves against the utmost. But probably we are also constrained to keep silence regarding it, to avoid sharing it, parting with it in communication before it has entered the work of art. For the utmost represents nothing other than that singularity in us which no one would or even should understand and which must enter into the work as such as our personal madness, so to speak, in order to find its justification in the work and show the law in it like an inborn design that is invisible until it emerges in the transparency of the artistic. Nevertheless, there are two liberties of communication and these seem to me to be the utmost possible ones. The one that occurs face to face with the accomplished thing and the one that takes place within actual daily life in showing one another what one has become through one's work and thereby supporting and helping and in the humble sense of the word admiring one another but in either case one must show results and it is not lack of trust or withdrawal or rejection if one doesn't present to another the tools of one's progress which have so much about them that is confusing and torturous and whose only value lies in the personal use one makes of them. I often think to myself what madness it would have been for Van Gogh and how destructive if he had been forced to share the singularity of his vision with someone, to have someone join him in looking at his motifs before he had made his pictures out of them, these existences that justify him with all their being that vouch for him, invoke his reality. He did seem to feel sometimes that he needed to do this in letters, although there too he's usually talking of finished work. But no sooner did Gauguin, the comrade he longed for, the kindred spirit arrive, than he had to cut off his ear in despair after they had both determined to hate one another and at the first opportunity get rid of each other for good. But that's just one side of it, feeling this from artist to artist. Another side is the woman and her part in it. And a third, but only conceivable as a test for the upper grades, is the complication of the woman being an artist. Ah. That is an altogether new question, and ideas start nibbling at you from all sides as soon as you take just a few steps in their direction. I won't say any more about this today. There were two footnotes in this section. Footnote number one was about Van Gaal, which they'd put in his time here, 1853 to 1890, and the other one was Paul Gauguin, which his time here was 1848 to 1903.